I'm pretty fantastic in Mankato. <laughs> a little bit louder now. A little bit louder now. Hello, my name is Dinah. Just kidding. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to Freepcast. My name is Rob Murray. I am your host, and Freepcast is brought to you by the Free Press Media and recorded at the KMSU Studios on the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato. My guest today is Dinah Langshin. She's a Mankato-based artist whose work I discovered while grabbing a cup of coffee at the Finland Station Coffee House. She recently finished a set of 26 watercolor paintings of animals that were eye-catching, vibrant, and beautiful. And when I saw them that day, I immediately asked the barista for the name of the artist. Uh, I met with and interviewed Dinah a few days later and learned she was born and raised in Mankato, went to school at the University of Wisconsin, and lived and worked in Colorado for a few years. She's also a single mother to a little boy named Torin, the person for whom those watercolor paintings were made. Uh, We published an article about her paintings in mid-April. And then, a few days later, I saw that she had launched a CaringBridge site to both announce and keep people up to date on the latest development in her life, which is breast cancer. Since then, a different side of Dinah's creativity has been on display. Her Caring Bridge updates are as vibrant and colorful as her watercolor paintings, and the way she's approaching her diagnosis is inspiring and, frankly, pretty entertaining. Uh, and that's why today we welcome Dinah Langshin to Freepcast. That was really... Thank you. Say hello, Dinah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dinah. <laughs> Uh, and you brought my raccoon. I did. I did. I brought the raccoon that Rob purchased um, for the show. I should mention, I, I was so impressed with the, with the animals that I actually purchased one of them. or Not one of them, a print of one of them. Um, and it's amazing. I love the raccoon. I was going to ask you if you could possibly commission a badger. Oh, you know I would. <laughs> I am a badger. All the water. Yay, Once mad a badger, town. always a badger. I was just at commencement. I saw, actually. With my daughter. Uh-huh. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um so it was a big, it was a big deal, and I, I didn't, I, I didn't go to Wisconsin, but I, well, like most of my money goes to Wisconsin, so I feel like I'm an honorary <laughs> badger, uh, and I just have more fun when I go there than when I. Well, do. I mean, yeah. you're wearing a shirt, and I never wore my shirt outside of campus. Uh, so cool. No, because I put on a lot of weight after school, <laughs> and it didn't fit. That happens. Yeah. Was it the freshman fifteen that just didn't 25. go away? Twenty-five. <laughs> yeah. And to be clear, I'm not asking you about your weight. No, that's cool. I mean, I did turn into a runner for that period of my life, and it was fantastic. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I did, too, and then my knee got bad. I can't run anymore until I get it fixed. Mine was was ribs. Not to bug you about finances, but did the the, uh, coffee shop exhibit do well? Did you sell anything besides mine? I did awesome, actually, and thank you for the beautiful write-up because I feel that helped um, bring people to it. I met a cousin I've never known before who lived in St. Peter, just from the the article alone, but yeah, um, the film station said I was their most successful artist to date. So that that was cool. They've been doing a really good job, actually. They've been contacting me about artists, and we've done three or four pieces on art. Mm -hmm. People who have been showing there so it's um that's good i'm happy to hear you you sold some pieces oh there my gosh, yeah. good any more raccoons you know that's ironic too because you originally wanted to purchase the one off the wall the raccoon mm-hmm. and that was the only one of them that sold physically from the location and they had to send it to florida 
You went to Florida. Actual yeah. On the wall ones? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I went straight to Florida. I mean, oh. now I have to buy like a whole box of frames to print another one. But but the original original is still in Torin's room. Yes. Okay. Yes. Those and are. Torin, as you know, as I mentioned, I believe, is your son. He's two years old? Yes. We'll get to him later. Um, okay. First of all, we'll talk more about the watercolors in a minute, but I want to talk about you, um, your life. One, one thing we do on every episode of Freebcast is we kind of get the origin story of whoever we're talking to and... Um, and you uh, only have 60 minutes, huh? W- well, we have as long as it takes. <laughs> we have as long as it takes. We can, we can go for... You don't see it out there. I'm shaking it off. It's a long story. We can go for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, mean, I know you're only 32, so there's not a whole lot of origin story that's, you know, it's, well, there is one, but it's not that far away. You're still pretty young. So tell me, uh, where exactly in, in Mankato did you grow up? We grow up, grew up uh, in La Hillier, which is now quaintly known as South Bend Township. They took away the, the French sound of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my mom had seven kids and she was a single mom also. And so she was- Single mom of seven. Yeah. That's part of my big origin story, the whole past. My dad died when I was nine months old. And so my mom oh. had all of us. And so we moved back to Mankato from Wisconsin with, well, she did. And uh, we lived there. Where, where in Wisconsin did you guys live? Bondwell, right outside of Green Bay. Okay. Yeah. Do you know it? No, I just, no, oh. not at all, actually. There's not much <laughs> good to know about it, but we'll get into, well, oh, I'm sorry if anyone in the Bondwell area is listening. Um, yeah, we'll get into that. If you have the origin questions, we might touch. Y- yeah, it sounds like there's something happening there's there. There's some stuff happening in Bondwell. Yeah, I want to hear about it. Right now? Yeah. Okay. Um, my mom and dad were in arranged marriage, and they were... Uh, you know how religious leaders come onto campuses and whatnot, and they kind of, um, it was a cult. My mom and dad were part of a cult, and they were arranged marriage, and it was located in Bondowell, Wisconsin. What was the name of the cult? You know, I, you know how they say when as close as you are, when something's super close to you, you don't know all the information of it? That's kind of how I feel about it. But it was Rama Bahara was the leader. If you Google it, it shall come. I'm just blown away right now. <laughs> I know. I t- you told me. I told you. How much time do you have? Because I, you know, I watched you say, "Oh, you're only 32." This oh is. Oh my god. <laughs> what else do you want to know? When's the next podcast? <laughs> so you were okay. So your mom and dad were in arranged marriage in a religious cult. Cult. Yes, it started out. Um, uh, it was a religious cult with sex to Christianity. Okay. And it started off as I was kind of saying, you know, how when you're on campus or at school or something and people are walking around with the flyers and handing out and saying, you know, follow me, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. Nothing against that. That's great if you have that faith, et cetera. But mom and dad were both at Gus Davis. Mom didn't actually go officially because as soon as they became part of this um, group, we'll just say, because I think cult has that awful negative connotation, not to say that it didn't in the end, but um, so they were, they moved to Wisconsin where they kind of, it was a, like they kind of lived on a compo- compound on the weekends, but then had regular lives during weekdays. So they started off their thing here. Yeah. I mean, they were they found collecting people here. Yeah. Okay. So they, yeah. they were, they were collected in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Mankato area or? St. Peter. Oh, he's thinking of Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. but mom, mom grew up in Mankato, and dad grew up in St. Peter. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, maybe they were just going around campuses, and you know. Well, they do that every school year. There's these guys mm-hmm. who come around. Mm-hmm. Most of them are 
kind of vile and say hateful things. I'm not sure yeah. what this I one mean, did. I mean, I assume knowing my mom's character, uh, they were doing things of love and, you know, right. showing. Okay. And not knowing my dad's character, but what I've heard of my dad. Good good things. Good. Yeah. You just, he died when you were nine, you said? Nine months. Nine, nine months? Okay. M-O-N-T-H. Okay. Wow. So they went to Wisconsin. Yeah. Where the cult was based? Yes. Okay. Yeah. In Bondewell. Bondewell, Which is Wisconsin. right outside of uh, Green Bay. And that's why I was saying, like, if you're in Bondewell, this is, uh, at least has been, negative connotation now. I actually met somebody, small world, in Breckenridge, Colorado. A couple years, I was dating him for a week or two. Um, <laughs> couple years, and I, I truly feel that the reason that didn't work out is he found out that I was part of this, not me, but my family was part of this cult. And it was such an dirty taste in his mind I think that it freaked him out well it does have a certain baggage when you say cult yeah along with it. <laughs> yeah I mean you can't be surprised if somebody would be like yeah I know I know maybe, but you would think not. you know like oh that was 32 years ago not like yesterday but but now the cult is actually in a lot of uh, or at least in the last 10 years it had been under a lot of legal fires Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure why specifically, but they did pop back up into the common world and we were contacted. Mom was contacted for interviews and whatnot um, regarding her relationship to it and what happened. So, My next question for you was, where did you grow up? Was <laughs> normal upbringing, picket fence, golden <laughs> retriever, t-ball games? I mean, um, to answer that, was no picket fence, that? no picket fence. Uh, even if we did have a picket fence, it probably would have burned down like the garage oh one year. Um, the golden retrievers, we did have a lot of pets. And well, that's good. T-ball, no. That's, uh, I think, why I associate most of my family is super creative because it wasn't, you know, it, it's expensive. Organized sports and school events and extracurriculars are expensive and you don't, you know, don't afford it for everyone, even if I'm the favorite. Were you the favorite? Everyone else would say so. You were, you were the youngest, you said, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. The baby of seven? Yeah, I was also the only one who didn't have memories of the cult, so I think I was the least oh. emotionally uh, tainted from that, so I was the easiest to treat like a normal child. Okay. So... So was there any impact of that life on the rest of your life, even though you didn't experience a lot of it, but was the fact that your family was involved in this, did that did that have any impact on the rest of your childhood? Definitely. Any like in the, in like negative ways or positive ways or both? A little bit of both. A lot of bit of both. Um let's do usually people say the negative things first and then end with the positive, right? Sure. Okay. Um I think that it affected every one of us differently in my family, um, whether it is confidence or uh, self-worth or, you know, what we felt like we could accomplish because we, you know, to be broken down at such a young, young age and know that this life isn't like a fairy tale kind of, you know, ruins your view of what's pure growing up. So I know that um, lots of, you know, I remember this one time in high school, I got pulled over right by the filling station, actually, which was my local hangout. Go there now. It's awesome. Um, 
there's my plug and it, yeah I got pulled over and I remember the woman was like what's your name and I said Dinah Langshin and immediately she was like one two three fourth street which is my fake address right now um and I was like yeah and she goes how did you stay out of trouble all of your siblings were always in trouble so we were known <laughs> so yeah we were known because like you know you hear about these traumatic experiences in people's lives and how it you know they get them in and out in trouble and so that was the ironic part of my upbringing but then also um you know emotional instability with all the siblings and teachers knowing that something went wrong and being judged for you know I remember my mom walking you know trying to keep seven kids together and we were always um like in elementary school we had a school therapist check in on the three youngest of us monthly making sure that mom was raising us and not needing to put us in some type of foster care or social work situation so and you recognize that as a as what as a big brother watching you guys kind yeah, of thing yeah yeah actually i didn't but my siblings did like i was in that at roosevelt which is a raccoon by the way it's mm-hmm. why i picked a raccoon <laughs> um I recognized it as a time where I got to see my brothers at school and I got to draw while they were being asked questions about, you know, home life. And, and it's very sly. You know, you can't force feed you know, any anyone in psychology knows that you can't force feed a child or in law knows you can't force feed a child what to say. Like, but you could just tell they were kind of scraping away layers to see if we were emotionally traumatized or if we were being abused or whatnot. Did they ever find anything? I mean, no. was it ever okay? No, oh, good. No, my mom's awesome. She's fantastic. I mean, she kept seven done. kids together, like all by herself. I have one. I'm a single mom of one. Like how? I can't even imagine. I mean, how do you do that? We have two. I can't even imagine doing that for a week by myself. Yeah, I mean, we're colorful. To say your intro, we're colorful, and we've got every family's got something. We've got a lot of something, but we're all still, you know. We work for each other and make our lives for each other the best part of it all, like what we overcame. So, so that was the negative stuff. I guess I turned it into a positive. You kind of did. I was That's kinda, what you're supposed this, to do this? that stuff with interview questions. You're supposed to be like, well, my worst um, characteristic is I talk too much, but I say a lot of cool things. Maybe after all the, all these years, you've taken that negative stuff and turned it into a positive. That is exactly where this conversation will continue to go. Like it may have been like the worst thing, but you've convinced yourself over the years that it was a good. Absolutely, <laughs> a good thing. absolutely, and that will continue on in this. Yeah, like this is the pivotal point of my life right now. I'm not even sure where to go after I hearing know. about your cult situation. Uh, <laughs> I know you might. I mean, you have a lot of papers wanna, printed off. I don't want to dwell too much on that, but it is it is kind of a curveball. Yeah. You threw me. I, well, I'm, I've got only. nothing that interesting for you. It's <laughs> like, wow, okay. Um, you did go to West High School. I did. What was the best thing about going to West? Hmm. If there was a best thing. Maybe you didn't like West High School. Some people don't. I loved Mankato West, actually. I loved my high school experiences and um, the teachers, there were some fantastic teachers there. Um, still, actually, some of them aren't there anymore, unfortunately, but they're doing other things in the curricular world. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't name names because then that means I forget a bunch of them. Right. So, I, you know, let's just say you know who you are. <laughs> Raise your hand. Great teachers. Great teachers. Um, 
just being able to that free education actually and a lot of wonderful things about Mankato West were the AP classes I felt I did a lot of AP advanced placement classes and that was free and um, I had a great guidance counselor who I had no idea where I wanted to go to college and I go into her office because we're all required to have like two or three visits in our junior year I think mm-hmm. or maybe sophomore year where we talk about our future plans and no idea no idea what I wanted to do or where I go. It definitely was going to be creative. And I walk in and Mrs. Wolf was like, well, you like biking. You like Minneapolis, but you don't want to be that close. Well, I think Madison would be a really great spot for you. And that that was it. Like It was kind of like somebody else is helping me pick based on my personality because at that time you don't necessarily know yourself. I didn't. I did too much to know who I was. And... She she helped me find Madison, and it was great. It was the best, beautiful place. You know. I do know. I mean, if I could move somewhere today, not not that I'd want to move somewhere today, but if I did move somewhere today, I, yeah. that would be top of my list. Oh, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a great community. It's a great community. You've got students and professionals mingling all down that one stretch of land between the Capitol and the campus, and mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Yeah. So we'll get to that in a second, but I want to ask you some more West questions. Oh, sure. Um, do you ever smoke weed at the Rock? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I remember looking at all the graffiti and being like, wow, that's cool. No, I did not. Look at all that art. <laughs> yeah, I was influenced. You can see that 10 mm-hmm. years later. Um, was there anything about the West experience that nurtured you as an artist? Mr. Halstead. Okay. Um, Mr. Halstead, Tim Halstead, where are you? I've tried to search for you. Ding, ding, way out there. Um, my... Sister Anna used to have to watch me after school at Roosevelt, and they were so close beside each other that the schools, that is, that she was also a really great artist. Um, she got has two kids and kind of let the art fall off to the side, which is why I've held on to mine so much. I didn't want to lose it. Mm-hmm. But Anna, after school, because she was in high school, would stay after to work on art and on some of the days where she would have to babysit me after school she would just come get me and then we'd both go to west so i was going to west hanging out in mr halstead's art room he'd give me clay and like art supplies and stuff and i would just do art while anna was there too so i mean that's really cool just encouraging talent mr halstead i've never heard of that name timothy halstead i think he I had a year with him, I think, at West, so he must have been done in 2001 or two. But that was very fond and wonderful. Oh, and Mr. Barnett. Mr. Barnett was the old principal, and oh, I remember, yeah, yeah. remember him. I remember being so sad that he was gone before I graduated. Hmm. Um, because he knew everything in my family. Like, he knew everything that went right and went wrong, but he tended to appreciate what we came through over what performance everyone gave the school. So I was the first to traditionally graduate from West. So I have six older siblings, and whether it was having to do summer school and not walking with the class or dropping out in 11th grade, 11th grade, 10th grade, 12th grade, or not even getting to West, I was the first to do it the traditional way on day of graduation. Wow. And But where that takes Mr. Barnett is that I was so sad that he was gone. I remember writing him a letter before he left just saying how 
I always felt that he was like a dad just because he cared so much. So shout out to West. Yeah. Yeah. All you the know. great people and class of 2005. <laughs> <laughs> Which, My by the way, I love West. I mean, I, I have nothing but good things to say yeah. about West. Nothing's, no school's perfect, but mm -mm. Um, I have, I mean, nothing but positive things and positive experiences from West. Mm -hmm. Um, so, Wes, I, my last question about that was, is Wes a place you can look back upon favorably? And obviously the question to that is, is yes. Yeah, absolutely. I w you know, and especially having moved back from Colorado to Mankato, you know, I could foresee a wonderful relationship with West again when Torn gets old, if I stay in Mankato that mm -hmm. long, you know? Um, so then you went to Madison. You went straight to Madison? Didn't take a gap year or anything? You went? Nope, straight to um and I was going to ask you why Wisconsin, but you've already <laughs> explained that. Um, so knowing a thing or two about the social culture there, I'm wondering where Dinah fit in out there, because I can see it going a few different ways. Work hard, play hard? That's a pretty good answer. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah. I uh, I started, I f had like my first party sensation right before freshman year. I wasn't a big party at West. Yeah, I we did the senior parties and I did have a wine cooler Smirnoff, which I, <laughs> you know, teetered around in the fields of rural Mankato thinking I was drunk. But yeah, you, you go there and you experience life like really fast. So I'm sorry if your daughter had that experience She did. <laughs> um, she's not, she hasn't part, she did a little bit when she first got there yeah. and then realized Im almost immediately that she's it's not for her so she yep. went she went a different direction yeah it's uh, great my for son on the other yeah. hand is is sort of embracing the whole the whole scene the work it's um where i fit in i you know they say that college is a part of re-identity like re-identifying yourself i tried similar to your daughter to see if i was a partier and you know i wasn't but it was fun. I mean, you you have to try to know if that's your style, your thing. Mm -hmm. But no, I didn't. I didn't go down the deep end. Other than that, twenty five pounds, I ate a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, then you became a runner. Yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. If you want to talk about meditation and how that feels at the you know end of the day, it's train yourself to get past three miles and then run through picnic point run to picnic point run down state street in madison run around lake mendota or Monona, and like i i have so many memories when a song comes on the radio now that are tied specifically to my running days did you run that trail between the terrace and whatever's out picnic uh, point yep. yeah mm -hmm. that's such a that is it's such so a gorgeous, gorgeous place mm -hmm. to run jinx well said gorgeous right uh, okay, so you majored in art history, correct? That is right. And now you describe yourself as a self-taught artist. Accurate. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. Um, I think that there are people who are blessed with innate talents, and I was one of them. And then being able to cultivate that through a lot, like I had mentioned, you know, not having a lot of money to spread through organized sports and organized events at school, et cetera, a sketchbook and some crayons and some pencils. I mean, that that's all it takes for talent. Um, 
self-taught is that when you see you're good at something and it makes you feel good, you just keep doing it. And so I did one class in college. It was a painting class. And I did that my senior year just because I needed to fill a credit. And I was able to take it without any prerequisites. So I did a class. Other than that, it was whatever the basic curriculum was in high school, which is foundations of art probably. And So what do you think about, I mean, could, could you have benefited from being an art major and learning from the faculty who are professional painters and sculptors and could teach you more about craft? And Abs- yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of the tr- difficulty with being self-taught is that you still make, you make a lot of mistakes, but you learn from them. And I've learned what works for me. But if it was a matter of learning from a teacher or faculty, you kind of go around those mistakes. You just avoid them. It's like, it's a hurdle. You don't have to jump. You're, you know, it's, you just are informed that, you know, somebody 30, 40 years ago discovered that you shouldn't do it like this. So you don't do it like that, but there's power in learning it yourself as well and figuring it out and knowing that it works for you or doesn't because a lot of those really cool art movements like start from a mistake or you know trying something new not going the same route the same style so and so how is madison as a place for creatives do you you feel like it was a really good place to i mean were you that way when you were there did you were you it's not the forte of madison i would say like it's not their most distinguished path but um they do have the beautiful uh, art art museum right on their campus, the Chazen. The Chazen is mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I took some wonderful classes from uh, scholars from around the world. There, like um, I did a class on Matisse and Picasso that she writes scholarly papers on them. So it was really fun to have, you know, just have somebody who knows so much about something teaching you. However, it's not. As for creative, they I didn't participate that much in it. Honestly, it was really sad. I didn't do my theater which I did in high school and I didn't I tried to follow my German but then they only offered a business minor and I didn't want to you know spend 30 seconds saying one word so I didn't do that um I just got through it just got and through graduated school. class of oh nine who was your commencement speaker I don't remember I was inside go? yeah I totally did, did yeah it wasn't anyway you know it wasn't like bill gates or you know so where was it back then was it where they hold commencement it was inside the um what's the building uh, the hockey stadium yeah the coal center yeah that's where it was okay yeah it was a beautiful day it's too bad it wasn't outside was your daughter's outside yeah they have them all outside now in the football stadium yeah that would have been way better it was cold Mm -hmm. though i will say that well that's unfortunate it shouldn't have been it's may right was me. So you graduated, and at what point did you move to Colorado? Did you move right away? I stuck around for about a half a year in Madison and then moved to Minneapolis-St. Paul for a temp agency. I went to a temp agency. I just wanted to get back to Minneapolis area. Mm-hmm. And I worked a couple temp jobs, and then I started at the um, Space 150. It's an advertising agency down, in, down by the the river i guess is mm-hmm. what you know the can grain belt bridge oh sure mm-hmm. yeah. and i was just temping there somebody was on leave or something and then actually they really liked me there and they purchased me from the temp agency mm-hmm. it was pretty you know that was probably the coolest i'd ever felt to date like oh <laughs> somebody just bought me and you know it's not just like hey i'm gonna take what I, i'm gonna pay what i'm paying this temp agency 
to have this girl, this woman, it was, I'm going to buy you. Plus, I'm going to have to pay a commission, like a like an interest fee to the temp agency for taking you. So they paid more than I was value, you know. That's pretty cool. That does sound pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. But you also feel kind of like a professional piece of meat, I guess. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay, then you went, you were there for how long? About a year and a half. And then I started dating somebody who wanted to move to Breckenridge for the season just to work the resorts. It's a very touristy area. You work the ski resorts and, you know, help out there. And he was going to have me stay in this apartment that he was going to also rent on Craigslist for the rest of the winter. And I'm like, I'm not I'm not going to stay here while you're out in Colorado. You, You know, I'm a free spirit, if you will, but not like, hey, let's skinny dipping i'm not that kind of free spirit (laughs) but he and i weren't amazing up in minneapolis area so i thought hey change of scenery let's see how that works and so we moved out there together and lived with his cousins and i am not good at faking emotions or faking happiness so like literally two days before valentine's day i was like oh we're we're done. I'm sorry. <laughs> like we were supposed to go to a comedy show and I was like, gosh, that's going to be so much fun. We already had the tickets and everything. And I'm just like, Oh, I can't pretend. So we were done. So you were done Yeah. and you were alone. And so I moved into employee housing cause I worked at the Keystone Starbucks. Keystone is another resort. Okay. Um, moved in with, we ma- they made a, they made an exception for me, I guess. Cause I, they're not supposed to co-mingle genders in the employee housing, but two of my really good guy friends worked at the Starbucks and they're like, well, let's, let's all move in together. So I got to move in with some burly mountain men. Cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, okay. So then at some point you got pregnant. That did happen. Um, I don't want to get too <laughs> deep into the How did that weeds happen? on that one. But, well, um, I mean, if you want to talk birds and bees, <laughs> <laughs> it did happen in the springtime. <laughs> so. Oh, man, I handled that one poorly. Yeah, that's okay. Um, anyway, um, I'm probably blushing right now. Yeah, I was actually going to say you matched the, the badger shirt not you're wearing day, right now. Nope. <laughs> anyway, um, Torin yes. came along at some Torin. point. Torin. Mm-hmm. That name is interesting. How did you come up with that name? Mm. My dad's name is Thor. Was Thor. Oh, that's the first time I think I've said is. That's great. I'm glad I said it like that this time. Um, my dad's name is Thor. And Steve wanted to name... We, when we were throwing names around, Steve really liked the name Troy. I, you know, you have connotations with names because you grow up near somebody who, mm-hmm. for instance, <clears throat> named Troy was very short and like not like a good, powerful Troy name. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't do Troy. So, and Thor had already been kind of used in my sister's son's middle name. Um, so it was, you know, you can repeat names, it's fine. But I liked, it, it kind of combined them into Torin, and then after the fact, finding out that Torin is a Celtic Irish Gaelic name that means chief slash hunter, and so it was a really powerful name there. And plus, Steve got to give him the middle name and last name, so I figured I get the first name. So, so it, when, at what point did you become a single mother? And, and mentally or actually? 
Well, I guess both, since since you mentioned it. Because it does, you know, it it is different. Um, Oh, Actually, was when I had left in August of 2018, so just last fall. And emotionally, it's hard to pinpoint, but way earlier on. I mean, I don't want to say like the day I gave birth, but somewhere around there. Do we do we need to bring up who the father is, or do you? Do you I mean, it's. I know I mean, who we, the father is. It's not. <laughs> I mean, we we went yeah. from saying goodbye to that Valentine's guy, and now we're here with a child, not Steve. the same guy. Yeah, not the same guy. Okay. Mm-mm. It's someone named Steve. Someone named Steve. Okay. Someone that I used to know. There's okay. a song called. <laughs> um, no, Steve is still around. He is in Torrance life. Um, oh, good. Mm-hmm. That well, when I. I say this a lot, and I say it with a little bit of sarcasm because, as you know, I'm a, as you've come to know, I'm a very sarcastic, witty, funny person. But you know, I grew up with dad issues because not having one. Mm-hmm. So it is very important for me that my son and his dad still have a relationship. So when I moved back here in August, Steve actually moved to Eden Prairie a month or so afterward, and that's a whole other part of the. How much time do we have conversation? Is he from that area? Is he from mm. around here? New Mexico. Oh. Yeah. What? So he's in Eden Prairie just because of Torin. He found work around here for him? Yeah. Um, yeah. So when Steve proposed, <laughs> like looking at my watch here, like, <laughs> okay, that would be the nice way to say that. That would be a nice way to put a little bow on it. But um, Steve proposed 2015 or 16. And his mom's brain cancer came back uh, after five years of remission and like literally days after he had proposed. And so I remember like proposal pictures or engagement pictures just being completely faked because he wasn't feeling it. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, this is not going to end well. And um, then our wedding was supposed to be June 18th, 2016. And I remember the month before, so May of 2016, we were all down in New Mexico. His mom is on his deathbed, her deathbed, and that was it. We we were done. Steve s- struggled with his own substance abuse, and it got bad. And I remember just being there and just knowing it wasn't going to work, and so I postponed the wedding due to illness in the family which was a very oh this is the first time I get to say it aloud on microphone it was a very convenient way to call off a wedding because there was illness in the family whether or not Steve and I were going to work out it was a nice way of saying it was something else um so we postponed on a Sunday we being me I made that choice and found out two days later I was pregnant and then two days after yeah two (laughs) days after that his mom passed away oh my god so (laughs) you know literally for two days I was single like I was single I was and I technically guess I was a single mom at that point because you know it starts a month or so beforehand when you anyway um I was single for two days basically and then found out I was pregnant and then it was 
All right, let's give it another shot to make this work because family. And then it didn't work out. Mm-mm. Flash fast forward how many ever ups and downs to August. And here I am. Wow. Yeah. I'm afraid to ask you any questions because <laughs> anything I ask you is going to be... You You looking at your watch saying, well, how much no, no, time you got? Like, how are you today? Well, let me <laughs> tell you what I did this morning that already put me in a fantastic mood. Yeah. No, I did actually have a great morning. Thank you for asking. Good. Um, well, that's okay. Let's... Okay. <laughs> um, for all of those who matter or who wonder, Steve is doing great. He is in recovery. He is in recovery, and he's doing good. Good for him. Yes. Good luck to him. Yes. Um, at some point, you uh, started the watercolor series with a, the heron. Yes. And for listeners, if you haven't seen these yet, you should... Um, how can they see them? Your website doesn't have them on it. I know. I'm awful. If anyone wants to do my website for me, get a hold of me. Um, is your Facebook profile public? Yeah, the the Facebook art page is Dinah Langshan Artwork, but that's kind of hard to spell. So Instagram, okay. if you do Dinah Says, one word, D-I-N-A-H-S-A-Y-S underscore art. You'll find all, yeah. your, all your stuff. Yeah. Including, is, are all 26 of the animals on they there? They are. Mm-hmm. Or if you hashtag Torrens Alphabet. Oh, there you as go. As one word. I forgot I did that. I was clever once. And they're just beautiful. Um, but tell me the story of um, how that came about. Didn't you have to learn watercolors yeah. pretty quickly to teach yeah, a, sure a workshop did. or a class or something? Yeah. You know, I get myself into things that, <laughs> you know, half a year earlier seemed like a really good idea mm-hmm. and a really cool opportunity. Um, and I don't like backing out of things, so I did it. But I was approached by the director of the International Music Camp, which is on the border of um, North America and Canada. Sorry, North America, the United States and Canada. Oh my gosh, don't hurt me, geography teachers. Um, And it was teaching at the International Peace Gardens. And they needed a painting instructor because every year they have some curriculum that's art related. And gal I went to high school with reached out to me and actually she was one of the first who ever commissioned me thank you Christine um to be a painting instructor and I just said yes I didn't ask what kind of painting I just assumed it was acrylic or oil Mm -hmm. and so yeah I did and then literally like a month or two not even a month or two I'm gonna say a week or two a month a month before the camp um I found out it was watercolor <laughs> as well. And I'd never... Which you had lo- never done. Never done. Well, I mean, other than those cute little Crayola oval watercolor yep. tins that you buy for a dollar. No, I had never done it. And I never wanted to. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. It's too... It was too much... Too little control over what you were doing with the watercolor. You, layers and layers. And if you mess up, you mess up. You can't, you know... You can't put white over that and redo it. You can't regesso it. You start over. And so it was a lot of, you know, unknown. And I hated it. <laughs> Let's just say, like, I, I had this bad idea, or not a bad idea, I had this incorrect um, impression that watercolor was those cute women who, old women who get together because they're retired and they have 
crepes and tea and do yeah. watercolor. So it felt, it didn't feel right like a real art to me at the time. So yeah, I learned. I actually signed up for a class with all those cute little old women. They didn't serve crepes and tea, but it was in Breckenridge. And I just remember going there and there were 15 people there and it, the class moved so slow. It was just a three hour class and it moved so slow because she was also teaching color theory and saying, well, here is a sun. How does the sun cast a shadow on the tree? Which side has shadows and which doesn't? And I'm like, I just want to paint. So there was some guidance there that was really invaluable how to mix the colors, how to use them and let them dry and not to be too, uh, don't work too fast. That was actually a really good lesson. You got to work slow with watercolor. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you taught the class. Yeah. <laughs> and then at some point you must have decided the watercolor wasn't so bad after all because you started making these wonderful yeah. animal paintings. So yeah, I actually pretty much decided there when I was teaching the middle schoolers, which was my first week, and I also taught adults the next week. Um, the middle schoolers, I was teaching them, and they were all working so patiently that I was also going to work so patiently. And I loved having, I brought a whole box of National Geographics, and um, which oh, I did that as a kid too. Nat Geo was awesome. Just found a picture of a heron, and I started painting while the kids were doing their own thing. And it was just, you know, look, here's a water wash. Put the wash of water on and watch the colors. And then I started to really like the colors, and then I just did the heron. And then afterward, I'm like, wow, this is kind of cool. And I did some Sharpie mixed media accentuations on it, and that's kind of what the alphabet turned into, is watercolor with a little bit of mm, Sharpie, I guess. So is that like an accepted technique for watercoloring, or just you just decided to do it to make them look neater? have more defined lines because the latter yeah isn't watercolor i mean it's it's more by its very nature it's sort of blendy yeah Mm -hmm. everything is kind of it would not be accepted by the the watercolor association yeah exactly (laughs) it would not be accepted by them however um it is like a more editorial kind of sketchy approach to Mm -hmm. watercolor um you know if you think of like street sketches that have like pen and ink drawing and I am also a pen and ink artist so it was adding that in there just for a little more uh definition but you you think of sketchiness to it and a lot of times watercolor was a sketchy art like you just capture the colors and it's more the mood and not the you know final and you did somebody encourage you to continue to making more of them or how was specifically you got some encouragement yeah oh yeah I mean I am driven by encouragement. And that's not to say that it's the only thing that gets me to do things, but I feed off of people liking what I do. And that might be like an ego thing or id superego, et cetera. But my sister Zila actually was the one who saw the the heron and she's like, wow, these are beautiful. You should do more. And that was literally, oh, and that's all it that kind of was all it took. But it was also from a place of like family too Mm -hmm. you know the family who knows what you can do and has seen what you can do but then really liked something that you were doing and thought you you should do that yeah so and then when did you decide to do 26 (laughs) was that you wanted you wanted to decorate your son's room i (laughs) right yeah i was you know bite off more you can chew um gosh 26 seems like an easy number 
until you're starting and you're on five and you're like, wow, this is going <laughs> to take a while. Uh, so it was after Torn was born that I decided this was kind of fun because as I had mentioned, my sister previously had two children and kind of neglected her art. And I did not want that to happen. I didn't want to be that story of somebody who had a lot of talent that everyone encouraged and wanted to see develop. And then you become a mom. And it, like that's a lot of identity identity crisis that people face as a mom. And yes, as dads also, um, and especially more now as the gender stereotypes are kind of dissolving. But, you know, the, I didn't want to lose it. And so I kind of forced myself to take on this project, which love-hate relationship with watercoloring uh, turned out to be wonderful. And I'm blessed to have finished it. And I'm super proud to have finished it, actually. It was really hard the last few letters. Yeah, you had um, mentioned when we talked earlier that by the end there, you were, you were done. I was saving the worst letters for last, like <laughs> X. Which you came up with a, what was Zir- it? Zirus? Zirus? That squirrel-like it's thing? It's like a ground squirrel. It looks yeah. like, yeah, it's a glorified groundhog. Yeah. With an X in its name. <laughs> so that poor guy, which actually is pretty cute. Thank you. You had this negative impression of what's happening. This poor <laughs> squirrel gets the worst of your work. Yeah. Well, and urchin. The poor Zirus. And the urchin. The urchin. But I, yeah, the urchin. Actually, I did finally sell a, a Zirus. And I'm just kidding, and I'm just kidding. They're all they're all gorgeous. I couldn't tell at all, but I mean, you we could start a poll. You you should actually check it out. What's your favorite? What's your least favorite? favorite? The raccoon will, will <laughs> be win. the favorite. Will win That's up there. Mm-hmm. I love the raccoon. Yeah. Um, and just so I don't forget, if somebody wants to buy one of your pieces, they can go to where can they go? Anywhere where my name is, so it has a contact. Button. Your website does have a contact. In- Contact yeah. information on it. That's accurate? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Which is dynamangshin.com? Yes. That's okay. so old. Don't go there, guys. If you want to see what I'm doing, I should update that. You should update that. <laughs> I really should. I think the latest <laughs> year for which you can look at the era is 2016. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-pregnancy. What can you say? Um, actually, that will <coughs> potentially tangent us into another direction of your conversation. I will be on surgical recovery coming up, and yes. I have a lot of hefty goals of what I want to accomplish, and maybe a website update will be one of them. Maybe we'll just jump right to that. Yeah, was, I'm good at those tangents. Should like, we you jump? Know, segue. Like, I have a little bit here, but we can just skip that. We've <laughs> talked enough about that Me. stuff. Well, let's, uh, talk about <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the cancer. Yeah, let's talk about the cancer. <laughs> um, first of all, thank you for agreeing to, to talk about about this um i'm sure wherever you go people who you know are asking you about your health and maybe you're sick of asking or being asked about it by now it's kind of the contrary and i'll explain oh really kind of based on why i'm being so public about my cancer diagnosis so maybe you could just walk us through how you came to discover that you had cancer um you mentioned you, you had mentioned before that your your body was telling you something was off yeah well, I wasn't the one who ever rubbed my breasts three times a day and in the shower every day. Um, you know, as they so pleasantly say, is something to do all the time. But after pregnancy, the women's breast changes quite a bit. You know, whether it's different fat fat pockets develop or the shape can change, et cetera, because I was a breastfeeder and a lot of women are. Um, so it was, you know, it's hard to know whether or not something is changing. So... I was struggling at the end of last year 
um, Torin's dad was checked into the ICU for 32 days with near body failure because of his disease. And I was the only person in Minnesota he knew. And so I was up there a lot in Minneapolis, just being there and encouraging him to come through of this. Um, I struggled with my own mental health and just knowing what was going on. So I made some pretty hefty like 2019 personal goals and I'm not one to be like New Year's resolutions. Yay. But they were like express gratitude daily. So I started a gratitude jar with post-it notes that I put something good that happened that day into this jar. So that was one of them. Um, one, another one was to be more patient with yourself because self-criticism is the quickest way to bring yourself down. This does relate to cancer, I swear. Um, <laughs> but in 2019, I was just doing all these practices that were trying to encourage me to really be myself, find myself, trust myself, and know my intuition. And I remember one time, late 2018, when I'd already made these goals, like in December, I'm looking down at my boobs. And <laughs> as an artist, like, you know, like I'm looking <laughs> down on these things. And there's this weird shadow, like a, a weird shadow that was cast on my left breast and wasn't normal. And hey, you know, breastfeeding changes you. So that's cool. I have a dimple in my breast now, just like my face when I smile, you know, except it was there the whole time. And as an artist, you know how light falls on things and you know that a round brush shouldn't have a shadow right by the dimple the way it did. So it divoted in enough that I noticed it. Oh, that's weird. And then a couple months later, I started to notice like s a couple dull sensations intermittently. Again, I call them sensations and they weren't pains. I've kind of likened it to like when you scrape your knee, that that burn, except it was under the skin. Like that's how it felt to me. And again, didn't think much of it because as you go to your OB or, you know, they'll tell you that a lot of times your body will fluctuate sensations with your menstrual cycle. So it could have been right around my period and I didn't, I, you know, oh, it's just my period has changed me and making me feel things. So I didn't think much of it. And then, but I was thinking about it. It wasn't ignoring it. And then maybe a month or two later, I felt a little teeny lump, just something. I wasn't even sure if it was a lump, just felt it. But my body was saying, you know what, everything else has brought you somewhere in this world that you need to be because you listen to yourself. And so I was like, well, I'm going to I'm going to listen to myself on this then, too. And I went in, I w was just on a cutoff of being accepted into a state program that allowed for me to get a free screening with the SAGE program at Open Door Clinic. Barely, though, because the guidelines changed April 1st. I wasn't applicable I wasn't a candidate before April, but I was after April. So I was able to get a free screening. And your exact diagnosis is? Stage one, TC, so tumor, tumor C1, N0, M0, which is basically meaning it hasn't spread to the nodes and it hasn't metastasized anywhere else. So I am, as my oncologist has said, the silver lining of breast cancers like the one that I asked her questions that she didn't know the answer to because she never gets to tell people those good results that's good that's I'm blessed 
I was reading your caring bridge site, and that particular entry is very is very moving. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, uh, we printed out one of your caring bridge journal entries, and I'm wondering if you could just if you could read that for us. Yeah. So I titled it April 18th. It was written on April 25th when I was ready to come to terms with this all publicly. So April 18th, 2019, the day I got my biopsy results. Hello, community of lovers and supporters. I'm going to be public and open and inclusive to all because, well, if I'm going through this, I want to be strong and inspirational. I found out today that I have invasive ductal carcinoma, aka breast cancer, stage to be determined at that date. I find some small joy in this coming on the eve of a pink full moon of April. Spiritually, the pink moon always signifies rebirth and renewal. After a long winter, the resurgence of the color pink is a revitalizing dose of beauty and joy. It serves as a reminder that life is a set of ups and downs, a cycle of hibernation and reawakening. So, join me in having a virtual glass of wine tonight to my boob, Odin, Norse god of war. Feel free to send me a picture of your glass here in the comments, and let's toast to this rebirth. That was my first entry. And that's the first one I read, and I remember <laughs> thinking that, wow, this is, I mean, as far as cancer and carrying bridges go, <laughs> this is pretty entertaining to read. Yeah, it was hard. To, um, yeah. Was it hard to write? It was because you, yeah, it was. Um, cancer gets a lot of, you know, it's the C word, the the other C word. There are other C words too <laughs> that we will not say. It is the C word of a diagnosis, a disease that everyone knows somebody who's had a cancer, and it's hard because you know they're going to project their cancer trauma upon you whether or not you're optimistic as i've chosen to be it is it has been a choice it's not hi i'm so happy i have cancer let's dance around a fire and burn bras which we did do thank you for coming to my bye bye booby party friends um i did do that but it was it's a choice you have to choose how you want to approach it and i chose that i felt very blessed to have found it by myself so early without any real doctor approved symptoms so why did you decide to make this public for a lot of women it's a really personal thing it's a really i mean it's earth-shattering thing mm -hmm. and it's most of them don't put it all out there the way, mm -hmm. you know, the way you have. Um, does, is it helping you to mm -hmm. to be so public about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the hardest part was knowing if I wanted to make it public because I didn't want it to be about sympathy. I didn't want people to feel bad for me. Um the choice to make it public was that similar to with my art, I thrive on positive reinforcement. And so I also am a very up and down emotionally person. I don't want to say it's bipolar, but I, you know, I, my moods will change with the weather <laughs> to say the least. And so I just really needed to gather up as much positivity as possible. And so I wanted to put my foot down right away saying, this is how I'm approaching this. This is how you're approaching me. 
I the second entry I said I do not want sad eyes looking at me I don't want you to look at me with sad eyes I don't want you to think I'm dying because the cancers I know in my life have ended in death and I I'm not ready to do that like I like that first night it was April 4th that I was found out like actually had somebody else tell me oh yes that is a lump wasn't even diagnosed that day didn't know if it was it hadn't even been biopsied like sat there and I cried holding my son because that's what I knew about cancer we'll talk I'm gonna ask (laughs) about him later on but um so do you think the way that your carrying bridge is written. Do you think it affects people's understanding of your situation? I know it did for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that you've written about it is 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 so easy to read and fun to read that I I know all about what's going on with you. I mean, I it's it's your cancer I, size which, is which two which centimeters. I think, <laughs> <which> <laughs> I, I think is a good thing though, yeah. because there's other carrying bridges where it. Not that this is a bad thing. Not everybody's a good writer. Yeah. But when you're not, it's it's kind of hard to get yeah. through 500 words of here's what's happening with me, unless you're really close to that person. Yeah, absolutely. But for you, I mean, I barely know you, and I'm reading every word you're <laughs> writing on there because it's just so fun to read. So do you, have, have you found that it's just really it's people so are responding to you in a way, in a different way because of how good you are at telling the story, the story the about story. your cancer? Yeah, I mean, I uh, wanted to do a lot of things with my life. Writing was one of them, and, you know, Mrs. Lyon, another great um, teacher in West. Oh, yeah. Who is no longer there. She was one I was going <laughs> to name earlier. Um, encouraged me to write a lot. And, you know, I, I love funny memoirs like Sedaris. I, you know, mm-hmm. hilarious. And to, I, I am a writer. You know, I'm a creative person. You think more than, you know, you think before you put something out there. And humor is a really good way to approach things um but i also started to view myself like my own test subject like i'm learning things about my body and my genetics that are fascinating i'm learning things that you know why i might have a nipple and why i might not have a nipple next week when i come out of surgery because of where the tumor is located next to the nipple (laughs) you know like it is so interesting to me that i want people to be able to view it in more than just cancer like there's a lot of learning and a lot of different turning gears in this like I had to wait 11 days between the lump and the biopsy because the state program only went to one of the hospitals nearby and I had to wait for an opening you know like there the hardest part with cancer is waiting like I'm so ready for Thursday when I have my surgery because I've just waited 59 days now (laughs) It's been that long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, and that's the fast track to remove it. They're calling it the fast track. So where where are you having it done? Here, Mankato. Mankato? The uh, there's a great cancer center apparently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The IS the old ISJ. Um, I want to really quick say though, what feeds this blog is how many people have turned to me and said, "Wow, thank you for telling it like this, and thank you for being so public about it." I had no idea or the three people who I know who have told me that because of it, they've gotten checked out. And two of them have something going on. Like two people very close 
have something going on. And one of them, coincidentally, um, has an MRI on the same day I have my surgery because there's something going on in her breast. And then another person, Steve's sister, stepsister in New Mexico, has a cancer as well. And whether or not that's because of me, it's because it happened to me. Somebody so young, you know, being 32, you, we're not encouraged to get a mammogram until we're 40. Yeah. It doesn't run in my family. It doesn't, it's not in my genes. I didn't show any symptoms, but I went because I listened to myself. And I think that that's as much as I can give in being so public about it is listen to your body. You know it more than anyone else. You know when something feels different. And so three people have gone. One had a scare, blessed, blessed. The other two, they're young. I'm hoping they're just as blessed. That's crazy. And you're just so, I guess, you're just so young. I know. Thank you. I'm 24. You're 24. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you mentioned you've got surgery scheduled mm-hmm. for, you said Thursday? Yes. Are you scared? No. Mm-mm. I'm not, actually. I thought about that on my drive-in today. I'm not scared. I am ready for it. I trust the doctors. I trust the medical professionals. I believe modern medicine and, you know, everything that has come in how many, you know, in the actual short life of modern medicine is going to get me through it. And I trust that. What I am scared about is waking up and having a nipple or not having a nipple. That's kind of, I mean, is that funny? That's the only thing that really scares me immediately. I'm not going to ask any follow-up questions about nipples. So, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be there or not. And they do nipple tattoos, apparently, 3D nipple tattoos. I've, se- I've seen those. Yeah, it's, you can Google that. It's kind of yeah. scary. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not even... It's it's intimidating. It's very, mm-hmm. it's, it's very uh, commonplace. Yeah. Not common, but I mean, it's not... You don't have to Google anything obscene to find no, it. No, no. There's women that, were, that are, 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 are doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Yep. It's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not scared, though. I'm ready. And it's on Ascension Day for those of you who are Christian. I'm not. um, I'm spiritual. But that's, you know, that's the day Jesus rose. Oh, my God. Everyone Christian out there is going to be like, you don't know your stuff. It's (laughs) it's like 40 days after Easter where Jesus rose up and finally ascended, ascended to heaven. And so it's, it's kind of symbolic, even though, you know, the Ascension, you're rising up into heaven and then being reborn again you know is, is faith a part of your life i mean do you mm-hmm. are you a believer as they say <laughs> am i a believer you know that's really funny no i was never and that stems a lot with how we were brought up because of the cults feeling that religion was going to brainwash you into not knowing what was right or wrong and that's just a whole other story about the cult but we weren't involved religiously now spiritually yeah i believe in all the morals i believe in good energy and mother earth and nature and you know being a good person and helping people and i feel like i there are so many higher powers up there and i mean i'm a higher power you're a higher power you're your own higher power in my mind because it's all about being good um your son is two years old have you been able to tell him anything about this or are the concepts involved a little heavy for a two-year-old? And I don't mean that flippantly. Um, 
I mean, how much can somebody who's too understand about? I mean, how this? much? How much does the word "owie" work for you? <laughs> so um, most of it you can't really talk to him about. I mean, no. Um, it was really. It's hard. Uh, at, the, at, at the same time, he's he's everything. For yeah, you. he's everything, and I want him to know that when mommy has to send him away for a week after the surgery. Ugh, that's gonna be hard. Um. That I have a big owie that he can't touch because it does affect my recovery. I can't have my son who is obsessed with my boobs and my body. Like, he just wants to climb on me and hold me. I can't have him around. And um, that's hard. But I've got a great group of friends and family who are going to keep him and I'll visit him and he'll visit me. But the hardest part to date had been when I decided to show him where they did the biopsy and gruesome pictures aside, it was bruised and it was bloody in the entry spot where they basically shot a harpoon into my breast into the two centimeter at its longest tumor to gra- to get some cells out of it. And I showed him that. And his he, the look that he gave me was just like so afraid, so sad and scared. So, yeah, I don't know. It'll be hard. Just because you can't explain it. You can't explain it to a kid. But there's a book that I was gifted from another local cancer survivor um, called Mama Had a Mastectomy. So I've been reading that to him. Let's move on. Yeah, okay, yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Next question. Yes, they are real until Dina's, next Dina's week. <laughs> <laughs> Dana's, Dana's got me in tears here. Mm. I have a hard time asking my uh, yeah. other questions. But anyway, I we usually end these things with some... Oh, um, yeah. All the funny stuff. Some funny questions <laughs> that will definitely um, take you to a different place here. Yeah. So you ready for these? I mean, the other questions were kind of funny how I took them, but yeah, let's go. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm like, honestly, they're I'm just like, where could this go? They're, <laughs> all, they're all would you rather questions. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Let me put my would me rather hat on. Would you rather fart <laughs> every time you laugh? <laughs> okay. Or burp every time you cry? Oh, fart every time I laugh because I already <laughs> do that. At least there'd be an excuse <laughs> for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely fart. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Would you rather wear someone else's dirty underwear or use their toothbrush? Toothbrush. Oof. But even both of those, that's kind of, that's a gross one. Yeah. What is the underwear dirtied from? Just being used or from like skids? Somebody, well, I think somebody wore them for a day and now you have to wear them. How close am I to this friend? Um, Not a qualifying question, huh? Um, Let's say stranger. Oh, no. mm -mm. You don't know where that stranger's butt has been. True. Or that toothbrush. What about, oh. your, what about your best friend? Oh, Lin- yeah. Lindsay. I wouldn't fit in her. She's small. She's like size zero and I'm like size nine. By oh. the way, shout out to her. I don't know her at all, but she has apparently been like. She's a pillar. She's strong. She. She seems like a real dynamo. She she uses part of my name in that. Yeah. Dinah. She's part me. I'm, I'm part her. We are kindreds. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Would you rather have a one-minute conversation with your past self or your future self? Past. 
What would you say? Thank you. Would that you, would be, I mean, and I would have 54 seconds left to Yeah, you wouldn't have much time. Say, hey, you know, cool. When you can say, hey, by the way, some, something's coming up here that's going to suck. Yeah. But you're going to be fine. No, I will, you know, don't <laughs> don't step on the butterfly and ruin the future. Don't tell them. <laughs> Just say, you're, you got this. Would you rather crap yourself once a year in public or every day in private? Oh, once a year in public. <laughs> I mean, so do people really that. have to think about You're this? So I quick mean, with that one. Like, come on. I mean, you could. One, uh, one, ugh, I would have to live with myself every day, whereas in public, I would just have to live with that once. You with a bunch of people knowing. Everybody would know, though. Yeah, and I'd embrace it probably. Yeah. I mean, look what I'm doing with cancer. Would you rather be a feminine man or a masculine woman? I'm a masculine woman. <laughs> yeah, I would go that route. It's, yeah, roundedness. Would you rather eat a whole jar of mayonnaise or a whole tub of butter? <laughs> whole tub of butter. Thank you, keto diet. <laughs> Very encouraged. Um, mayonnaise, yuck. It's just too... That'd be it gets, a lot of it mayonnaise. It sour, you know? That'd be a lot of mayonnaise. Yeah. And there's so many different brands that if you get the wrong one, Hellman's versus Kroger brand, I mean. I mean, it's all mayonnaise, though. It's all, what is mayonnaise? I don't know, oil and. Isn't it eggs and oil? Uh, Whipped egg whites? Ooh, egg whites. I'd do cookies. Cookie dough. Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses (laughs) or one horse-sized duck? (laughs) The duck-sized horses. That would be really cute, like little <laughs> miniatures. But you have to fight them, though. They want to kill you. Uh, well, you could you know, think about a little dog. When you see little dogs, maybe. I mean, don't hate me, little dog owners, but I just want to kick them. Oh. You know, they just fly away. That, the horses. Well, <laughs> um, I told you've been you. So, <laughs> you've been so friendly and, like, loving. And, but they're sweet. And but now they you want to like, kick a dog. And those little dogs, they always get the biggest eye boogers, too. And She wants to kick a dog, you guys. I mean, I would kick a horse, too. A pony. A little one. A little horse. Do they, yeah, because a big duck, all they would have to do is peck you once, and that would be... A big duck might be a problem. Yeah, that would be a problem, whereas little horses, a bunch of little horses are kind of like, you know, a parade. That's it. (laughs) Those are all the questions. Thank you very much for answering the questions. Thank you for being so candid. Yeah, absolutely. For making me cry twice. Well, that beat me. I only did it once. Gosh, grow some. I cry so easily. Though, I know, so, so do I. All I right, that's all. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming on FreePast. It was good to have you. Thank you. If if you guys love me, I love you too. Be well. Trust yourselves. That was almost as much as I talked about my art. You know, I just talk a lot. I don't have anything to say. But <laughs>